Coffee House questions. Thank you guys so much for joining me. And today we are going to be talking about why we should be open and listening to opposing arguments, especially when it comes to this election season, but also when it comes to apologetics and theology and worldview and, and all those sort of things. But before we do, I want to remind you that last week I interviewed Dr. Andy Bannister, the director of Sola Center for Public Christianity and adjunct speaker at Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. And we talked about his book, The Atheist Who Didn't Exist, or The Dreadful Consequence of Bad Arguments. And I had a great time just, just talking with him on, on the importance of doing evangelism, how to evangelize, how to understand the other side of the argument. And a lot of kind of what I'm talking about today goes back to last week on this importance the, the importance of understanding the other side. So the first thing I want to do is is just encourage you guys to go back and check out that podcast from last week, my interview with Dr. Andy Bannister. And the second thing I want to remind you is that if you have any questions or comments about this show, uh, you can go to coffeehousequestions.com, send an email at contact at coffeehousequestions.com, go to the Facebook page, uh, my personal Twitter, or I just recently set up a, a Google Voice phone number, 714-989-6927, and that will be for text messages only. If you want to text in your comments or questions, you can do that as well. The number is 714-989-6927, and I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Um, the elections just took place. Uh, today is Wednesday, the day after elections. I stayed up late at night last night um, watching the final results and seeing uh, what was happening and seeing how the different candidates were playing out and uh, watching the final speech um, and, and Trump's victory speech last night. And so this morning was a little bit longer, but uh, all morning I had students asking me, uh, who did you vote for? Are you happy with who won? Uh, how do we move forward? And, you know, I just decided this year um, I was not going to be telling students uh, who I voted for. I didn't think that they necessarily needed that information. Um, but instead, I wanted to share with them a couple principles, a couple things that um, I've just kind of thought about uh, and reasons why um, kind of, well, I should, not getting to that quite yet, um, but what I thought about the election and, and how do we move forward? And, you know, when it comes to the election, um, there's a couple of things that come to mind. And what I noticed immediately afterwards, and, and I don't want to sound like a broken record because you've probably heard this a million times, but immediately afterwards, there was the uh, a huge outcry on social media of people so upset uh, that, that Hillary Clinton had lost, that Donald Trump uh, had won. And, you know, what is going to go on with our country now and and the criticizing and the, and the backstabbing and those sort of things. And, you know, one thing I, I want to say to kind of start off with is that I am very uh, I was very impressed by Hillary Clinton's succession speech as well as Obama's uh, speech. And one thing that I tried to come against on, on Facebook, you know, I let most people kind of, you know, say their thing. I wasn't going to get involved in those discussions. Uh, but there was one that I got involved with. And, and one thing I was trying to express is, look, now, now that this is over, you know, the trying to convince someone that someone is bad uh, before the election. OK, I can see the point in that to try to sway a vote. Uh, but now that the election is over, the decision has been made. We have to stop the division as much as possible and come together because we still are uh, citizens of the same country. And I thought that Hillary Clinton and, and Barack Obama did a good job in their speeches um, expressing that. And, you know, Obama even said, I disagree with Trump on a lot of issues, and you all know that. But that 
doesn't mean that we should just keep this division. But he said, you know, we need to come together as Americans. We're still a people group of the same country and we all have the same goal in mind. We want to make America better. We want to improve our country. Um, and, you know, this, I think, is fascinating and, and is important to think about. And so what I told my students is it's so easy to find people that disagree with us to allow that division to really cause problems um, rather than trying to reconcile and really listen. And one thing I think that happens so much in politics, um, as well as other areas, and, and I'll discuss that here in a second, is that we don't actually listen to the other side. You know, leading up to the election, I don't know how many posts I saw on Facebook that you could tell that the person was either extremely pro-Hillary or extremely pro-Trump, uh, and they weren't even considering the other side. You know, you see these things of like just completely railing on Trump and then like Hillary is the perfect candidate or completely, uh, you know, just destroying um, Hillary Clinton. But, oh, Trump has done nothing wrong and just ignoring the obvious or just ignoring the the facts. And this happens all the time. And, and I think it also happens in theology. It happens in conversations. It happens all the time in our daily lives. And, you know, I think that this is fallacious, that this is this, this can cause problems. Um, you know, and, and here's what I tell students often. If our position is true, and if our position is a good position, we should not be scared of the other side. Right. If our position is a good position, we should not be scared of the other side. We we shouldn't be scared of what other people think. We shouldn't be scared of the objections. We shouldn't be scared of of who might say a certain thing against us if our position is strong. And so we should be able to come up against the best. You know, I was discussing in my class the other day of, you know, if I'm trying to figure out if I have a good position or not, if my arguments are good, um, you know, would I go against and have a debate against, you know, my, my three year old nephew? You know, if I beat him in a debate, what is that going to show? It's not going to show me anything. In the same team, if an if a, if a in the same way, if a sports team wants to figure out if they're good, and they play, you know, it's a high school baseball team, and and they play a, a little league, and they win, well, that doesn't prove anything. To to beat a weaker opponent doesn't prove anything. In fact, that is a logical fallacy called a straw man. Where, well, it's similar. Where you instead of facing your actual opponent, instead of facing the real argument, you recreate the argument and you recreate a weaker version of it. You knock it over and you go, look how strong I am. And that's a fallacy. We can't recreate arguments, create a weaker version and just knock them over. Instead, we should face the actual argument or as what some have told me, do what they say is a steel man. We create a stronger argument. And, and there are some Christians that even do this. Um, when it comes to like, you know, someone might say, you know, how could God destroy the Canaanites? Look how evil that is. And they go, well, why do you just stop at the Canaanites? What about the flood where God destroyed the whole world? Um, if you're going to talk about God destroying a people group, let's talk about when he destroyed everything. Let's, let's create a stronger version of your argument and deal with that uh, to show that we're not just getting away with like a weaker argument. Now, that's a little bit off, but, but I think that if our position is strong, if, if we are confident in our position, we should not be scared of the other side, that we can actually listen to the other side. And, you know, I think if, if you missed it, I interviewed Andy Bannister for last week's uh, podcast. 
and he talked about evangelism. He talked about the arguments for new atheism, but he talked about this thing uh, of just coming up and, and really talking to the other side to, and talking about listening to them, the importance of listening. You know, if you don't listen to the other person's argument, then you're not going to know if it's a good one or not. And too many times we sit there and just throw things back and forth. We're not even listening. We don't realize, do they have a strong argument or not? Are they committing a logical fallacy or not? Do they even have good reasons for their beliefs or not? When we don't listen, we need to listen, be aware of what they stand for, and then be able to respond and think well about these different issues. And so when it comes to, you know, the elections kind of going back, you know, sometimes when we, when we paint our candidate as the best and destroy the other side or whatever it may be, we're not necessarily being fair. We need to evaluate these things well. We need to look at both sides. And so, you know, I've kind of um, shared a few things already, but, but I want to kind of tease this out a little bit more. So why should we do this? Well, I think that that is to be fair to really see the other side for where they are. And it shows that we are respecting them, that we care about what they have to say. And I don't know about you guys, but I like it when people listen to me, right? It shows that they respect me. It shows that they care about what I have to say. And it makes me feel valued. It makes me feel important. When I'm talking with students and they don't even listen, they're falling asleep, they're talking while I'm talking, whatever it may be, then it's like, you could care less. You're not showing respect. And so I think, man, to at least listen to the other person, rather than thinking about how, how can I destroy their argument? How can I show them that their candidate is bad? How can I show them that they're wrong? When we actually listen to them and think about what they have to say and evaluate it, we're showing that we respect them. You know, and, and kind of going back to, um, my interview with Andy Bannister last week, he made the statement that tolerance is disrespectful. Tolerance doesn't show respect to someone. You know, our culture is all about tolerating. We need to tolerate other viewpoints. We need to, we need to respect, you know, we need to get along type of thing. Well, tolerating, as he put it, was you tolerate children. When children do something wrong, you just kind of tolerate it. You put up with it. But we wouldn't say that you're really respecting someone if you're just putting up with them, right? To put up with them is not to respect them. And so when I have high school students, if they're doing stuff that little kids do, I don't tolerate that. I talk to them as adults. I show respect and I say, look, we need to figure this out. And so when we respect, when we listen to the other side, we're showing that we actually respect them, that we care about them, we care about their opinions, and we're willing to discuss these things rationally. And I think that in some of the speeches, they showed this well, that we need to come together and we need to listen to both sides. We need to evaluate these things. Now, um, when, when it comes to theological arguments, this is how I kind of tied it in with my students. We do the same thing when it comes to apologetics, when it comes to evangelism, when it comes to theology, that I am right, you're wrong, I don't need to actually listen to you. I'm just going to show you that I'm the right one. And we, we get into all these discussions and we find, I don't know what it is about us, but it seems like we find ways to divide. 
we find things that will cause issues. You know, it's fun to discuss these things. I love talking theology and apologetics and philosophy, and I love talking about these things. But if I'm allowing these differences to cause divisions, then that creates problems. You know, almost everyone, when, when they hear of what I do, they want to discuss the Calvinist-Arminianist debate. Calvinism versus Arminianism, free will versus uh, predestination. What do you think? And it's this big thing. And it's this, but it's like my position on it is like, are we having this discussion trying to understand the other side? What, what, is, what is it that you think? Let me respect you. Let, let me give you the time to share your thoughts. Um, and let's have an honest discussion. We're a friendly discussion. Or are we doing these debates and allowing it to cause divisions where we are actually fighting, where our arguments are not just presenting an argument, but our arguments are now verbal fights in the same way when it comes to scientific things like old earth versus young earth? Are we allowing these secondary things to cause issues? Or do we say, look, this might be fun. We can have a friendly discussion about some differences that we have, but when it comes down to it, we are both Christians. We both agree that God created the universe, and that's the most important thing. It's more important that he created it rather than when he created it. Now, that might get me into some hot water, and some people might not like that. But it really, that is the most important thing. When it comes to Calvinism and Arminianism, now, again, if you get on both extremes, I might find myself in hot water with this. But it's more important that God exists and Jesus is, cares about us and that he provides salvation rather than debating and having this in-house debate cause all these divisions. And I think that in this time, when it comes to politics, that we need to find ourselves in the same place. That we have to come and realize, yes, we disagree on some stuff. Yes, we can have friendly discussions. But if we allow this to divide the country, if we allow this to break friendships, to destroy relationships, then that's only causing issues. Then that's only causing problems. And we have to realize that time where we are having a discussion, a friendly discussion where we can disagree, but we leave realizing that, hey, we are both valuable human beings that have a common ground. Now, that's another reason why we need to listen to the other person is, do you even have a common ground? What is your common ground? Have you even asked the person what they think? And why they think it. You know, there's there's three questions that I always say, you know, when, when someone approaches you with an objection to Christianity, there's three questions that you have to start with. And you always respond with a question. I do this with my students all the time. I always present them arguments and say, how would you respond? And they've learned now that you always respond to the question. And first, normally, is how do you come to that conclusion? Now, let me just ask you this question. How many times in the last couple of months with the politics and, and the election, you know, as it was approaching, when someone presented their political views, how many times did you hear someone say, interesting, it's a very interesting point that you have, or a very interesting opinion or, or conclusion or stance? How did you come to that conclusion? where the person really showed an interest, showed you respect, that they cared about your thoughts and wanted to know how you came to that conclusion. How did you make up your mind? In the same way, when we are talking about apologetics, when we're talking about theology, when we have these disagreements, how many times do we actually listen to the other side and say, interesting, how did you come to that conclusion? Now, again, you don't figure out how they came to that conclusion, only then you can shoot that down again. 
you ask more questions, you really understand. And so the reasons why we should listen, well, I think here's a couple things just to kind of summarize. One, we should listen to the other side because it allows us to understand where they're coming from. And only when we understand where they're coming from, can we properly respond? We're not just sitting there talking back and forth, um, arguing over things that aren't even important, but we can find the common ground and look at how we can respond. I think number two, when we listen to the other side, we can see when they commit fallacies, when they, you know, provide uh, objections without reasons, when they don't support their conclusions, then we can ask, okay, what is your evidence? How did you come to that conclusion? Why should I think the same way? Kind of give me some reasons for um, what you think. And, you know, and I want to kind of tie this all together by discussing um, a blog that I wrote on Monday. I wrote a blog on Monday um, talking about the new Marvel movie that just came out uh, titled Doctor Strange. And in my blog, you, you can go check it out. It's at coffeehousequestions.com. It discusses um, the clash of worldviews. Now, one thing for me as a teacher, I was so excited that on Monday, my students showed up in a class and I said, hey, how was your weekend? Did anyone do anything fun? And I had students say, Mr. Polly, we were thinking about you uh, while we were watching the Doctor Strange movie. And I was like, why? And they said, because it was a clash. There was new spirituality. There's this new age versus secularism. And I was like, Yes. My students are doing worldview evaluation uh, while we're watching movies. That's where I want to get them. But in the movie, it was interesting because Doctor Strange starts out as a very strict materialist, meaning that the material world is the only thing that exists. And, and, and I kind of I used a clip in the blog where he says, no, I reject what you're telling me because I don't believe in fairy tales. I don't believe in chakras. I don't believe in belief. I don't believe in energy. I don't believe matter is the only thing that exists. We are material beings. We are a speck floating in an indifferent universe. And it shows that he's a very strong materialist, at least in that way, that only matter exists. None of these fairy tale, supernatural type things. Well, then what happens is that in the clip... The person that he's talking to kind of hits him and knocks his soul or uh, in the movie called it astro form out of him and kind of in a way to show him, look, you're not just what you think you are. There's more to this world than what you think. Now he comes back, goes, how did you do that? Did you drug me? What was in the tea? And I think that's kind of one thing uh, what I kind of mentioned and my students saw when I talked about this with them is, is kind of this closed mindedness not being open to listen to the other side. He was so confident in his materialistic, naturalistic kind of atheism that when she showed him that the universe, there's more to the universe than what he understands, he didn't understand it. And he was almost unwilling to accept it and tried to come up with a reason like, oh, what did you put in the tea? You had to have drugged me. And I think that we can do this oftentimes a lot in the same way with different things, that we are so closed in our opinion, in our viewpoint, in our candidate, in our theological position, that we are unwilling to even consider the opposing arguments. And it doesn't matter what anyone presents. They could present the most compelling evidence ever, like in this movie where his soul literally gets knocked out of him and he looks at his own soul, yet doesn't believe it. 
And, you know, it's interesting. One of my students uh, raised his hand and said, you know, I think that when we are closed-minded, we sometimes miss the truth. And I said, you know, I think that you're exactly right. That when we are closed-minded, when we are not open to consider even listening to an opposing argument, that it's possible that we miss the truth. That the evidence or the, the truth is, could be right in front of our face. But our closed offness does not even allow us to evaluate it. You know, and I, and I always tell my students that I want to be a Christian who holds my beliefs with open hands. Now, this might sound a little bit extreme. But, I, you know, to claim that I know everything puts me in a position to say kind of like that I'm, I'm God. I'm, not, I'm omniscient. I, I, I'm not. I don't know everything. I have questions. Um, in fact, the more I learn, the more I realize I don't know. And I just asked my students this week, um, you know, if you're talking to a two-year-old or a three-year-old, how much do they think they know? Yeah, three-year-old thinks they know everything. Um, as you grow up, the more you learn, the more you realize you don't know. But to claim that I know everything would put me on the level of God, and that's ridiculous. And so to admit, I don't know everything. And it's possible that I'm wrong. I don't have 100% knowledge of truth. And so I want to hold my position, my beliefs, my worldview with an open hand. Now, I am very strongly convinced for a whole lot of reasons that my worldview is true. And if I wasn't, I probably wouldn't hold to it. But at least I have an open hand to where when objections come along, where when other positions come along, where when people believe differently than me, I can say, okay, let me listen to your position because I'm confident that mine is correct. I'm confident in mine. In fact, I want to test it against strong positions of other sides. I want to test it against the best possible position that's in opposition because if it could stand up against strong critique, then I know it is a good position. And so when we talk about stuff in my class, I use videos by, you know, Sam Harris and Richard Dawkins and Daniel Dennett, some of the top atheist scientists and philosophers, because I don't want to present false views. I don't want to present weak arguments and say, boom, look, I knocked it over. Christianity wins. But I want to say, look, let's evaluate these things with an open hand. Let's evaluate the evidence and let's consider this. Let's look. Are there good opposing arguments? And if our position can continue to stand strong, then we have good reason to believe in it. And I want to finish with, with this. Sorry if I'm just kind of rambling a little bit. Um, there's just a lot going through my mind right now. But I want to finish with this. If we are not open to having our worldview change, why would we expect someone that we're talking to to be open to have their worldview changed. Let me say that again, because I, I, I kind of want that to sink in and, and sink in for me as well. If I'm not open to having my worldview changed, why would I expect the person I'm talking to to be open to have their worldview changed? If I'm talking to a Mormon, Jehovah's Witness, an atheist, anyone who's not a Christian, and if I am so dead set on my worldview that I'm unwilling to consider anything that is in opposition to it, that why would I consider, why would I expect them to be open to change? And I think that we have to reach this common agreement with both sides. We're saying, look, let's sit down and let's search for the truth. I'm willing and open to changing my views if we find evidence and good reasons to show that I'm wrong. 
Are you in the same position? Are you open to listening to opposing arguments and changing your views? Um, because look, I wouldn't expect anyone to talk to me if I'm unwilling to even consider anything they say. And so why would someone be, why should I expect someone to be willing and open to listen to me if, um, if they're unwilling to consider anything? And so I want to leave you guys with those few thoughts. I think that there are a lot of reasons why we should be open and listen to opposing arguments. We don't have to agree with everything. In fact, we're never going to agree with anyone, I think, perfectly. We're going to find points of disagreement with anyone the more we talk to them. But it's important to at least listen, to discuss, to come alongside, to show that we respect them, that we respect their opinion, that we value them as a human being, that they can have a voice. The constant backstabbing is not going to help. It's only going to cause further division. And it doesn't matter if we're discussing politics. It doesn't matter if we're discussing theology, science, worldviews, or what we should eat for dinner. To attack someone's character rather than discuss the argument, well, there's a logical fallacy in ad hominem. To make their view look weak and then knock it over and show everyone how strong you are and how good your point is, is another logical fallacy. That's a straw man fallacy. Instead, we need to present good reasons. We need to be open to having others present good reasons and evaluate it. Because I hope that we all are on a search for truth. That we really, really, truly want to know what is true rather than being so close-minded and stuck in our own worldview that we miss the truth. You've been listening to Coffee House Questions. I just want to remind you guys, remember to send in your questions and your comments about this show and other shows. You can do so by going to coffeehousequestions.com, the Facebook page, Twitter page, or by texting in at the Google Voice number 714-989-6927. I'd love to hear your comments and your questions and, and find new ways to interact with you and hear how you enjoy the show. This has been Coffee House Questions. You've been listening to Ryan Polly. Mm-hmm.